This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Woof, woof, bark, bark, baby. Wiggle that butt. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season six, episode two of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Bargaining Part Two. As well as Gilmore Girls, Fight Face. I'm excited to talk about these. Yeah. So, I mean, these uh, these episodes are definitely uh, trying to deal with all the aftermath still of last season. Lots of aftermath. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you're done with math, and there's like, no, there's aftermath. Jesus Christ, how much math is there going to be? Yeah, I know. Buffy's picking up just right where I left off. Yeah, I mean, really, Buffy should be one episode. It feels very not standalone-y. It's been a while. It's been a while since we did this, because we had our break. We did. I know last week's episode came out after our break, but it was recorded before our break. So this is the first episode we're recording after our our actual break. A lot has happened. Has it? Yeah, we went to a wedding. Yeah, we did. The wedding was nice. I got a sunburn because my shirt was unbuttoned and I got one of those, like a red triangle on my chest, like those primates. (laughs) To be clear, that did not happen at the wedding. Um, Yeah, it was very casual at the wedding. Brian got drunk at the wedding, but not that drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept saying, I'm a primate, people. <laughs> it seemed like he was trying to get the sunburn. It was weird. No, we went to the Minnesota State Fair the day after the wedding, and it was very sunny there, and um, there were a lot of people, and it was I had fried pickles and like, blueberry <laughs> beer. Did you say fried pickles? Because it sounded like you said you had five pickles. <laughs> oh, no. I had like 100 fried pickles. It sucked because I wanted to try them, but Brian does not like pickles. So I had to eat this whole giant thing of pickles by myself pretty much. He powered through and ate a few chips. Yeah, I was like, I'm, feel free to have those. I'm just I'm not going to help you. <laughs> I don't want them. They were good. So the Minnesota State Fair is like, you look this up. It's like the second biggest fair in the in the country. First is Texas, then Minnesota. But Minnesota is not the second biggest state right. after Texas. Right. Population or size-wise. It's not small, but it's not. Right. That's Rhode Island. No, Brian. What? Isn't that a big one? Uh, but there's tons of people there. Like it was so, it was packed. There's just like so many people. We found out later that's like the busiest day of the fair, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. What do you guys like about fairs? Do you guys into fairs? Because we went and the food is good. Sure, like you get some fun novelty food that you wouldn't normally be able to get, like a taco where the tortilla shell is a cheese curd that's fried. Mm-hmm. But everything's also like three dollars more than you'd think it would be. Yeah. Plus, you have to pay to get in. So it's just at some point, it's like you can only afford to eat so much cheese curd taco and friends. I just want to know what you guys think. like, Because we went and it was an experience. But part of me was like, I don't know that I would ever go to this again. Not every year. I think the best way to do it is go with like a group of like four or six. And then you take turns getting things and you share. Right, you share, you share the pickles. Mm-hmm. You share the turkey leg. You share the... My pillow. There's a big bucket of cookies everyone had. There was a big my pillow tent. There was a my pillow. It was just like, what is this doing here? Who comes to the fair like, I gotta get a pillow? Mike Lindell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it was more like a political thing. People were like, yeah, I got one of these. We saw maybe a weird political fight. I don't know. Someone like stole a candidate sign. It was like a picture of a candidate. 
And this guy was like chasing him. He's like, you can't take that. And the dude's like, oh, I can. I know Bob. And we're like, is Bob the candidate? Is Bob just some guy who runs the fair? Yeah, we also did not recognize his candidate's cardboard cutout at all. I have no idea who that was. But yeah, there's there some cool stuff. There was art made of seeds. That was really good. I pet a baby pig. You did. It didn't feel like a vacation, though. I feel like we were traveling every single day. So yeah. it was just exhausting. I'm glad to be back. But it was nice to see all the people and do all the things we did. Yeah. So we had a few Q&A questions that didn't make the cutoff or before we recorded the Q&A episode. So I thought maybe we could answer one of those today. Maybe we'll answer another one next week. There's also another question that I realized we didn't answer very well. Someone asked um, what it's like living in New York. I don't want to dedicate too much more of this intro to questions. So maybe we'll answer that one next time. But how about as comedy writers yourselves... What do you like or dislike about the comedic styles employed by the two shows? And what trends or changes do you notice having watched other things like Maisel or Avengers that are written by the creators? I feel like Gilmore Girls is kind of similar to how I would write. I mean, maybe I wouldn't do as many pop culture references, but I like the like the quick quirkiness of it. Like, I like when things are kind of like over the top and random and stupid, but not so much that that's the whole show. But just those sprinkled in is very funny to me. Mm hmm. I probably would try to be a bit better about callbacks and continuity just because I'm anal. I feel like that's the weak spot of Gilmore Girls is they kind of like forget stuff. Although, Although lately they're really remembering things from yeah, the past. I was say, this, this episode is a good example of them remembering some stuff. Yeah. But I, I would do more of that like self-referential than they really try to do. They contradict themselves all the time. That's not really a comedic note. But I, I like the comedy of Gilmore Girls. It's very inspiring. Yeah. And I think it's very similar to Maisel. Mm -hmm. It's just like insert pop culture references from 50 years previous. Yeah, the pop culture references, if I'm being really honest with you, on both shows, don't really do much for me. I'm not big on pop culture references. I know that people probably listening to this like gassed out loud because they're like, that's what these shows do. But it's one of those things that is they don't age that well. Because if you watch a show like Gilmore Girls or like Miss Maisel, I feel like is sort of a good example just because you're like, what are you referencing? I feel like they reference bigger things in Miss Maisel. Like in Buffy, if they reference some or Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls will reference so many pop culture things. You're like, I don't know what half those are. So I don't really know from the context. I get the gist of what you're saying, but like I don't recognize what you're saying. You might as well just said a different word, a different language. But it's fun when you do know what it is. So it feels like it's for you. Sure. It's, it's fun to get it. I don't know that it is fun for me to get it. You like the Star Wars one. Yeah, but they explicitly said what that was and like sure. broke it all down. That could have been about anything. That could have been a made up story that they heard someone say. Anyway, um, also about things they don't like. So I feel like Buffy is very funny, but sometimes they do sex jokes that don't work for me. Sometimes they, they, they do, but like, I don't know. And I feel like maybe this is a Joss Whedon thing. And I, I've sometimes the jokes in Avengers or like some of the rewrite jokes for Justice League, the sex jokes aren't that funny to me. I, and I'm pro-sex joke. You've heard the podcast, guys. I don't, I don't have problems with it. It's like, for instance, in um, Justice League, there was this, like, additional scene they added that Joss wrote in where the Flash, like, trips and, like, falls on top of Wonder Woman's body. And then they, like, both wake up from him, like, knocking her over. And he's all like, oh, God, I'm, like, on this lady's body. And then he gets up quickly. And it's just, it was, like, eye-rolly. It was just so, like, is this funny? I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, it wasn't offensive. It was just like, is this funny, though? I feel like the movie's treating this like it's such a funny joke, and I feel like it's dumb. I will say Angel suffers from jokes I don't like. The writing of Angel, they do the same joke every other episode, where they're like, it's not like he's 
fighting a demon on the subway. Who would do that? And then it cuts to fucking Angel fighting a demon on the subway. Like They kind of do that on Buffy. I agree that they've done it on Buffy, but Angel does it. It's like a pain by numbers every episode. Like, And here's the joke where we say no way they would do that. And then mm-hmm. we cut to them doing that thing exactly. I have very little to criticize Gilmore Girls for as far as comedy writing. Sometimes the jokes don't work for me. But like, sure, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes they're so specific and clever. Yeah, I mean, they, they're hitting so many more than they're missing. There's the one where they have the founder's punch and like Paris is like yelling at people on the street. And all of those jokes were missing the mark for me. But that's like the exception to the rule. They were just trying something that didn't work. And some people like that. I think that's for, for us personally, that wasn't the type of humor we're into. So the answer, I guess, is we, for the most part, don't dislike the comedic writing. Yeah, I mean, generally, both shows, I, I like the comedic writing. I don't know that I've noticed a huge change between Gilmore Girls and Maisel. That's why I knew you'd like Gilmore Girls, because you like the comedy in Maisel. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get into shows, we do have a few five-star reviews to shout out. Thank you so much to Sumi, dot, 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 Victoria Anzalone, Girly Pop One, and Jigsaw Central. Now, Jigsaw Central, we need your help. Yeah. Jigsaw Central writes that they learned about our podcast from a mention on Doug Loves Movies. What? Excuse me? That's a big podcast. Does Doug know about our podcast? Did someone someone on the show? Can you please help us find out specifically who said something about us and which episode? We'd love to hear that. Reach out to us, please. We want to know more about this. It's so weird because I... uh, We've met. We've met Doug a couple of times. Yeah. And I believe I worked with Doug once. We've interacted with the man. Yeah. But this was at least eight years ago. Years and years ago. And like, you know, so many people work with him. There's no chance he really remembers us. He maybe would remember us if he saw us together. My point is, it's funny to think that, like, does he know about the podcast, but does he know that he's met us before, that we've worked together before? Right, right. Like, I doubt he's made that connection if he knows about it. But it also could have been, like, one of his guests that knew about it somehow. Right. But what's interesting is we didn't know that he used to write for, like, the WB. He would write these, like, intros and stuff, and he was a huge fan of Buffy and Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in knowing more about this, Jigsaw Central. Or anyone else that's a fan of both podcasts. Yeah, if anyone else has heard this, please reach out. We, we're looking for information on when and how this happened. Okay, we got to start talking about these episodes. So this week, we started with Buffy. Stacy, can you tell us all about Bargaining Part 2? So this episode is a continuation of the first episode. Buffy wakes up in her grave at the end of the last one. So this episode, she punches her way out. She takes in all the badness that's happening in town. She's kind of like, what am I doing here? She doesn't say much. This is all just her processing. But yeah, it's it's about the friends trying to find each other and Buffy trying to figure out what's going on as the biker demons terrorize the town. Yeah, that's right. So Tara and Anya catch up with Willow and Xander. Then they decide to split up. They just found each other. Why are they splitting up? That's never a good idea. I guess to minimize the size of their group because they're being sought out. Xander's going to carry Willow. Anya and Tara are going to go a different way. They say, fuck the Buffy bot, and whoever gets to the magic shop first is going to try to call Dawn and Spike. Who are Don't at. say fuck the Buffy bot, because that was why it was made, so be careful. <laughs> they say, screw the Buffy bot. Oh, my God. They say, bye-bye, Buffy bot. <laughs> Dawn and Spike are at the Summer's house. Buffy bot is being circled by the biker demons. Remember, she's come to the woods to find Willow because she's programmed to find Willow when she needs service. Yeah. Which I was thinking about, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, unless Willow has some kind of chip or device on her, how would Buffy know how to locate her? 
That's a good point. I mean, you could argue there's some, I mean, maybe she does have his chip or she's got like a spell, but that is interesting that Buffy would just like know where Willow is. Yeah. But that's not how computers work. No. She could know to look for Willow, but she wouldn't if know to Willow look for If Willow had a cell phone, you might be able to like fudge it and say she followed the cell phone, but she doesn't. Cell phones would be so helpful in this episode. Yeah. Cell phones are coming, baby. Do they have them? Do they get them? Season seven. <laughs> they all share one phone, family yeah, plan, barely text. But the biker gang gets Buffy all chain lassoed. They start beating the shit out of her. But down below the ground, real Buffy is now fully awake in her coffin. I'm like, girl, you got this. You're strong. If anyone can kick their way out of here, it's you. But I guess we don't know what state she's in at this point. Like, she's maybe not the Slayer anymore. Yeah. We'll see. I do want to say this about this scene. I really don't like Buffy Bot season six. I, the Buffy Bot thing itself is kind of dumb. But, like, I just sort of hated the scene where they're, like, killing the Buffy Bot. And she's just saying all, like, dumb lines that don't seem believable at all. I don't know. It just seemed very cartoony and not serious at all to me. Sure. Buffy's all like, oh, no, I need service. Oh, no. While they're, like, hitting her and stuff. I don't know. I didn't like it. I guess that's what she would say, though. I understand that's what they set up. I just I just didn't like watching the scene. I feel like Willow could reprogram her to make her be more like Buffy and less like April. Yeah. We don't know that she's not just April with a new face. Right. That's what we talked about. It's probably that makes the most sense. Unless we see April again, I believe that to be true. Okay. Xander starts carrying Willow through the woods. They stop for a little break. Willow's like, where are we? Xander's like, shut the fuck up. We have to keep moving. Well, then why did you stop, Xander? You're the one who put her down. <laughs> I didn't catch that the first time. They, like, take a break. And then he yells at her like it was her idea. <laughs> Willow remembers that they were in the middle of the ritual to bring Buffy back. And Xander's like, yeah, the urn, it's uh, smushed. But we'll... Google another one. We'll figure it out. We'll try again. Willow's like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. That was the only urn. It was our only chance. Buffy's gone forever. She's very sad because I think she takes a lot of responsibility for this because she was kind of the one doing most of it, even though it wasn't her fault the urn broke. It wasn't. But Buffy is still super strong. She's broken through the top of the coffin, but can she dig through six feet of dirt? We'll see. Anya and Tara take shelter behind a rock where they overhear some of the disgruntled biker demons giving up on hunting Scoobies and are off to go loot with their friends. A lot of talk about cracks and holes, the butt kind, between these two. <laughs> he was like, you gotta bug up your crack? Anya's very stressed about the potential looting that could happen at her magic shop, understandably. Meanwhile, Spike and Dawn are at home, in front of the telly, when they hear the biker demons smashing up all kinds of shit in the neighborhood. Spike explains that these guys are road pirates. I love how Spike just always knows what any demon is, like, immediately. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, like he's Giles. Faster than Giles. Giles has to look it up. Spike just knows. Yeah. Anya's like that, too, I guess. I mean, it makes sense. They've been around a long time, but we've never seen, like, a repeat type of demon in Buffy. So how often do demons repeat? Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy that they would know. Anya especially. She's been around forever. Yeah, Anya, I buy. She was very mystical. She almost, like, knew kinds of all sorts of shit she maybe should know, so. But Spike's not even, like, as old as Angel. Yeah. Anyway, Spike explains that these guys are road pirates. They go from town to town just, like, raiding and burning down vulnerable towns, which means they must somehow know this town is vulnerable. Uh-oh. The slayer's gone. Spike wants to run, but Dawn thinks they should stay in the house and wait for the others. But Spike convinces her they gotta go because they don't know if anyone's gonna be able to come to their rescue. Cue Buffy. She can dig her way out of the ground. She's kind of taking in her surroundings. 
first one being her headstone. So that's a lot to process. Yeah. Then she notices that the town is just like abandoned and on fire. That's honestly pretty normal in this town. But you can see why she might be starting to think she's in some kind of hell dimension. Yeah. She eventually takes a little break to lean against the car, which is my old car, a silver Dodge Stratus. I alluded to it slightly in the Q&A episode, and I posted a bunch of photos about it on social media. My car, this car, was severely injured three times in one winter. None of the times I was actually in the car. My parked car got hit three different times. Yep. Technically totaled, but drivable. I drove it in very bad shape for like a year. Mine was a 2003, though. This episode aired in 2001. I guess they just like kept a similar style for a few years. I guess. Anyway, it was nice to see her again. But the homeowner isn't happy that Buffy's just hanging out in his driveway. He comes out with a gun, like kiss her to leave. That's a lot. Yeah. Anya and Tara get back to the magic shop, which hasn't been looted. They're very worried about Xander and Willow. Why are they back yet? Tara's like, chill. Xander's with Willow. And if something happened, I'd know. Like, because of magic or just like a feeling? I think women can just feel when other women are hurt. Okay. Do you think that? (laughs) (laughs) Women are mysterious. But this scene is nice. I like this friendship. These two make sense to me. Yeah. They do? Yeah. They're both kind of new people. and Yeah. The girlfriends. And they've had a couple scenes together. They're bathroom buddies. Yeah. They hung out that one time when everybody was fighting. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about in uh, season four. They both kind of know magic stuff. Yeah. Tara's like, don't worry. They probably just got lost, which is good. Will and I have this cool thing we do where we find each other. How often is this happening? Well, I mean, I don't think it's crazy that they would have developed this. It's like every week there's a new demon that's kidnapping one of them. That's fair. You know, one of the Scooby Gang. It's like, maybe we should come up with like a way to find each other and like, let's teach it to the Buffy bot. Sure. Also, if you could have an Apple Watch and I'll have an Apple Watch and it'll let me know when you're hurt. <laughs> so you think the Buffy bot also knows this trick? Maybe. I don't know. Well, she shoves all the books off the table, crisscross applesauce is on top of it, and goes into some kind of trance where she turns herself into a giant blue firefly. More on this in a second. Turns out Willow and Xander are lost. Willow's very tired. The spell really took a lot out of her. Xander's annoyed at her for kind of keeping from them how intense the spell was actually going to be. She's still not telling him everything. He keeps prodding her about it, but lucky for her, Firefly Tara shows up, which freaks out Xander. But after Willow convinces him it's Tara, she leads them out of the woods. What's this now? She's somehow projecting the light? How does it find Willow? It's this magic spell. Why is it blowing your mind? It's weird that she didn't think to do it as soon as they thought they might be lost. Sure. If this is the whole plan is to find each other when they're lost, they'll do this firefly thing. I mean, she had to like be safe somewhere. She's like in a meditative state. She's like 11 from sure. things. She's very vulnerable while she's doing this spell. It was like cute, but also felt weird. Like sure. silly or like children's book or something. But will we see this again? I feel like yes, since they didn't speak about it much. We'll find out. Fireflies are cool. Sure. I know we have friends from like Ireland and Australia that are always very delighted by fireflies. But I am too. They're great. They're fun. I have fond memories of catching them when I was a child. It sucks that they're incredibly poisonous. Are they? No, not at all. Well, the mercury in the light bulbs or whatever. (laughs) Willow and Xander make it back to the magic shop. They knock on the back door. Anya's like, sorry, already been looted. Try the appliance store. (laughs) That's funny. She's very distracted about the looting. Xander takes a break from the action to talk about how he needs male friends, and there's this guy at work named Tito that he's sort of been hitting it off with, so. Cool. (laughs) To be fair, he doesn't have any male friends. Yeah. He makes some reference to, like, war stuff. He says something about, like, DEFCON, and they all just look at him like, what? 
To be fair, I didn't really know what he was talking about. Will is not in great shape, but still wants to go out looking for Dawn. Anya points out that with Spike and the Buffy bot missing, and with Willow recharging, for the most part, they're just a group of regular people. You can't just, like, go out smashing demons like they used to. They need a Buffy. Yeah. I mean, they have more fighting experience than the average person. Yes. But, like, that's really good when maybe you're fighting a vampire, but, like, a demon, it's like, I mean, it's just a big old strong dude. And Willow's like, well, she's not coming back. We fucked up, so get used to it. It's us now. We gotta go. Xander's like, well, they can't keep this up forever. This is one of those angel cuts, though. Yep. Because it cuts to the head demon being like, say hello to your new home, boys. Seems like they are going to stay forever, Xander. They've decided they're going to give up life on the road and settle down here in Sunnydale. How sustainable is this life, though? Like, this can't be home. They're ruining it. Yeah. They're not even really, like, stealing stuff. They're just breaking stuff. Yeah. Maybe they don't need to eat, so they have no need for, like, money or food, but eventually they're going to run out of stuff to smash. These villains suck. I hate them. Uh, It's just like, yeah, we come and do bad stuff. Like, what? Okay. These could just be humans. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that would make them easier to kill or, like, more morally gray to kill. Yes. Well, they're going to christen the place by ripping apart the Buffy bot. They do this by chaining their motorcycles to various parts of her and driving off in different directions. Real Buffy has now stumbled upon this, and they see her and want to tear her apart, too. So earlier, Spike and Dawn were hiding in some bushes, watching the biker demons go to town on some houses. And again, I'm like, what are they doing? Just wrecking stuff? And I shit you not, the next thing out of Dawn's mouth is, it looks like they're just wrecking stuff. Yeah, it was so funny. You're like, what, are they just wrecking stuff? It looks like they're wrecking stuff. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dawn. Then Spike starts smiling, and I was like, what? He's like, oh, no, it just looked like fun. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Yeah, he's still a bad boy, deep inside. But Spike decides if they want to get very far, they're going to need wheels, and he tosses Dawn a loose football helmet that's laying nearby, and then he just waits for a motorcycle to drive straight at him and, like, kicks the rider in the chest. He goes flying. Spike takes the bike. Dawn hops on. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, back to the bikers, ready to rip apart real Buffy. She just runs. It's hard to run in her burial outfit, but she goes. You said burial outfit, right? Because I yeah. heard barrel outfit, and I was like, wait, what? And she was wearing a barrel. <laughs> yeah, like in those old cartoons when someone like loses their clothes. <laughs> Such a hilarious image, just Buffy running in a barrel. I feel like her outfit is not something she would normally wear. It's like a very conservative black dress and heels that they buried her in. Yeah. It's kind of funny. They go to chain lasso her, but she dodges it, and the guy ends up hitting another biker with the chain, and they both fall off their motorcycles, but they're both like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> they're very nice, apologetic demons. To each other. Rampage. So the Scoobies are out looking for Spike and Dawn. Tara's like, maybe the spell wasn't supposed to work. Maybe the fates were trying to stop us from using some kind of magic we weren't supposed to. And Willow's like, I don't know. Shut up, Tara. <laughs> I don't remember what she said. <laughs> Shut up, Tara. That, that, yeah, that seems like their relationship. No, I, I don't know. Shut up, Tara. God damn, you talk so much. I barely talk ever. Shut up. I feel like Willow like wasn't really into what she was saying. <laughs> Willow just cracks the beer. All right. <laughs> what are we doing? You need more male friends, Xander? That's what I'm doing now. Willow's changed. Anya and Xander are talking. She's like, can we just tell them we're engaged, though? Willow could really use a morale booster. And all the excuses you had before are kind of out of the picture now. Hugh Buffy. They think it's the bot at first, but Willow can tell it's her. 
Buffy freaks out. She just takes off. They follow her to a little alley corner where they put together that their resurrection spell worked, but she was left to claw her way out of the grave. So she's a little traumatized. Anya tries to cheer her up with the engagement news. <laughs> it's funny. It does seem like a weird time to tell people, but again, I don't understand why they can't tell people. It doesn't make sense you wouldn't have told them. Like, yeah, maybe don't tell them when Buffy's being buried, but I don't know, like a week after that, you could tell. Yeah. You made a point maybe he was waiting to tell Buffy. Yeah, maybe. They try to tell Buffy she's going to be all right, and it seems like they're maybe starting to get through to her when the bikers show up. And then we get like a five-minute yo mama battle. <laughs> the scene just felt very silly. It's just the demons being like, we're going to kill you so good. We love to kill so good, and you're just little babies. And the Scoobies being like, we're not babies. We're the strongest big kids on the block. You better shut your big mouths. Like they're going to reason with them somehow. Yeah. And then Tara tries to say something. And was like, shut up. You're not this. <laughs> It just goes on for so long. I'm like, why aren't these demons just killing them? Like, why are they having a conversation with them at all? Yeah, it's stupid. These demons suck. There is a funny joke where a demon says to Willow, like, what are you going to do, pull a rabbit out of a hat? And Ani's like, don't do that. Why would she do that? Yeah. Because <laughs> Anya's afraid of rabbits. Yes. Finally, the dude smacks Willow. Good. Like, why wouldn't he? <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> I'm not happy she's hit, but like. Yeah, you're saying good because it's like, what do you do? You're an evil demon. Like, why are you not attacking? Yeah. Xander gets hit too, and then the dude says some real explicit, violent, assaulty shit about what they're going to do to them for a few hours. That probably isn't worth repeating. It was, like, kind of shocking. Yeah, we're not going to repeat what he says, uh, but it is explicit. It goes on for a while. He keeps adding worse and worse stuff. It's like Joss was like, we're on a new network, and they said I could say this, so <laughs> I'm going to say it. Wow. I don't know that that's true, but. You're saying that's what it felt like. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's bad stuff. He asks who wants to go first, and Buffy steps forward, but she's not going to take his bullshit. She fights back. She's still in there somewhere. She fights a bunch of these guys. Spike and Dawn make it into town and come across the ripped apart Buffy, who's still conscious. She's like, oh, hey, Dawn, I know you. Where did I go? I was here, but then I ran away. Not me, the other Buffy. And then I think she finally breaks and shuts down. But this was enough information for Dawn to put together that real Buffy's back somewhere. By the way, you can see one of the bot's arms lying nearby. And then we see Spike picking up a leg. Both way too thick to be Sarah Michelle Gellar's. <laughs> the arm is like a bodybuilder's leg. It's just like this chunky ass thigh Spike's looking at. It's funny. <laughs> During the time Spike's examining the giant leg, Dawn has fully run away. Back at the alley fight, with Buffy's help, they've managed to finish off all the other biker demons. Xander's like, Buffy's back. She's herself. She's like, nah, I'm still pretty fucked up, guys. And she runs away. Did you hear what that guy said? That was messed up. I gotta go. They're like, okay, she's, she's back. She just needs some time. She'll be okay, right? As they're saying this, one of the biker demons is creeping back to life. It's actually edited super weirdly. I don't know if this is a mistake. But when they're talking, you can see a person creeping behind them. Yeah. Then it cuts to a close-up of a passed-out demon whose eyes open all dramatically before a commercial break. So if the edit is true, I guess we're to believe he got up, crept behind them, and then <laughs> opened his eyes. <laughs> Not too much makes sense about these demons, so I guess that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the actor fell in the wrong spot and had to crawl over to his mark before he woke up, which <laughs> yeah. did not do it subtly. 
And it's not just a reformatting issue. Maybe the part where you can see him a ton is enough to the edge of the screen that it would have been cropped, but you can also see him a little bit in the center of the shot. Yeah, it's right in the center. And hear his footsteps <laughs> as he gets into position. And you hear the actor go, okay, so now what I'm going to do in the next scene? <laughs> it's going to be my close-up. Close my eyes. Close Open my eyes. my eyes real big. <laughs> they forgot to edit this scene. <laughs> <laughs> can I get my drink? <laughs> Line. <laughs> So it comes back from commercial. He finishes standing all the way. He's got his Wolverine hands out. It's not looking good. He's about to get Xander, but all the girls team up on him with lead pipes. There's a shot where you can totally tell how flexible one of them is. <laughs> like a pool noodle. Yeah, those quote-unquote lead pipes. But Willow's got a bit of her strength back. She conjures some kind of goo that like covers his face so he can't see anything for a bit. After that wears off, he's about to claw Tara, but Willow does another quick spell to make his claws not work. He's mad now. He's got Willow up by the throat, and then Tara axes him in the back, saying, nobody messes with my girl. She says it was her first axing. I don't know if that was her first kill. You don't see her kill very often, but I bet they've killed vampires. I don't know if she has, on screen at least. Yeah, I don't know. They were fighting vampires in the beginning of the last episode, but I don't know if she got one or not. Buffy's gone. She kills one last demon on her way out of the alley, and then she notices Gory's tower. It's still there? No one in the last few months has been like, hey, this skyscraper built in a day by crazy people isn't up to code. Maybe we should tear that down? Yeah, this, like, <laughs> wavering, like, creaky, about-to-fall-down eyesore. Maybe we should do something about that before it crashes down and destroys some buildings. Dawn comes running up. Then she notices the tower. Buffy climbs up there. She's kind of staring off the edge of where she jumped. She remembers everything that happened at the end of season five and then notices Dawn is behind her. But as you'd expect, the tower's not doing great. As Dawn says, this tower's built by crazy people and I don't think it's holding up very well. Again, thank you, Dawn. I'm team Dawn this season. She makes <laughs> some good points. You won't be. Uh, Dawn's annoying as shit. Oh, okay. I mean, great, yeah. Buffy kind of seems like she wants to jump. And Dawn's trying to convince her not to, or at least not to stand so close to the edge of this rickety tower. And then Buffy asks Dawn if this is hell. Dawn's like, no, you're back. You're here with me. I don't know how you're back, but you are, and I need you to stay with me. Buffy says she remembers things being so clear last time she was up here. Like she knew what she needed to do, but now she doesn't really know what's going on. And then the tower really starts shaking. Buffy snaps into action. She knows she needs to save Dawn. She leaps off the tower, grabbing onto this, like, pulley rope, which just starts going down, 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 until they run out of rope, but the whole system is just hanging on by a little screw, and eventually that breaks. They fall down quite a distance into a pile of rubble on the ground. The tower starts falling. Part of it almost hits them, but they get away right before it all collapses. Then they take a moment to rest. Dawn hugs Buffy, saying that she's back, she's alive, she's home. But Buffy doesn't seem so sure that that's good. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. There's a bit of a cliffhanger. We don't really uh, know what's going on with Buffy or where she's been. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, she did just get, you know, raised from the dead. So, like, no matter what was going on with her, whether or not she had an existence or not, like, she's probably like, what? Yeah. They were trying to imply that her having to claw her way out was traumatizing. And that Which would be traumatizing. Was. yeah. But I don't know that that would be, like, a ton more traumatizing than, like, anything else she's been through in her life. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she almost dies, like, every day. Right. She sent her boyfriend to hell. You know, there's just been so much that's traumatizing that I don't know that that feat of strength would... That's a fear everyone has, like, being buried alive. 
That's yeah. awful. But I don't know that that would like be enough to make her catatonic. Like feral. But I agree. But there, there's other things too. Like the last thing she remembers is maybe dying, which is probably not like yeah. the best memory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this episode has not done enough to let us know where she's been. Not, not saying that that's a flaw. They'll tackle it in the next one, I'm sure. But just a fact. We don't know yet. I like the scene with her and Dawn on the creaky ass tower. Oh, yeah. Was this a good episode? No, not a great episode. But I, I like things about it. You like that scene? Yeah, I like that scene. I like it for a couple of reasons. One, I, I kind of, it makes sense to me that she's like, yeah, the last thing I remember was like, I really needed to jump off this and like maybe still feeling a sense of like, yeah, I need to jump off this. Like, because that was such, yeah. you know, that was like the imperative right before she died was like, I have to jump off this to save Gone in the world in every world. And so for her to like, prop, that's probably still imprinted. It's like, yeah. And like, if she's confused, it would make sense for her to be like, do I need to jump again? Like, did I jump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dawn needing to be saved, I think, kind of eventually trumps that. Yeah. Because that was also part of her jumping is to saving Dawn. So now she's got to save Dawn in a different way. Yeah. Um, why did you not think it was very good? Well, I mean, I just don't like these demons. They take up a lot of it. They're, they're motive, first off, motorcycles are just a little bit annoying to hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they're just like, yeah, we like to just like do bad stuff in the town. And like no one can stop them. Like this is the police do nothing. I'm sorry. Like they should be police shooting these guys. Also, I feel like the police in Sunnydale should just like have stakes and machetes and shit and axes. Still unclear if they know that there's vampires. It, I don't know how you could be a police officer for more than a week in this town and not be like, oh, demons are real. Yeah, I would say a good at least 30% of the episode is just the bikers wreaking havoc. Yeah. And all the characters' hair is too straight. <laughs> didn't bother you last week. This Bothered week. me this week. But, yeah, and I didn't like the Buffy bot scene. And I'm not saying it's poor writing because they've set up. That's what the Buffy bot talks about. It just, I don't know, it just seemed very, like, silly to me. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I there wasn't a ton of new information. Yeah. Other than, like, the stuff at the end. A lot of it was just... The bikers doing bad stuff and the gang trying to find each other, you know? Yeah. Sometimes two-parters suffer because the first half can't really pay much off. Right. But I feel like this, as a two-parter, could have probably been an hour long. Yeah. Like, they had to resolve everything. But the the point at which the episode break was, Buffy coming back from the dead, is obviously where you need to split the episode. But I think there was more interesting stuff in the first half of this two-part piece. Yeah. So they kind of had to fill out the second half with less that was interesting. It was kind of cool. It was pretty dark. Yeah. Like, them having to fight these guys in the alley. It just felt so silly, though, to me. I agree. This, like, battle of words. And also, just something about, like, biker demons just seems not serious. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm interested to see what's up with Buffy. Yeah? Where's she been? She seems less um bad than Angel was when he came back, so I don't think she went to the same place as Angel. Or at least not as long. Yeah, I mean, Angel went to a specific hell dimension. Yeah. Okay, well, should we move on? Let's move on. And now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 6, Episode 2... Valhalla of the Dolls Part 2, Paige and Phoebe must find Piper, who without her memory has joined the warrior of Valhalla. Phoebe must also deal with her new power of empathy. Okay, what? You you said Valhalla is something with, like, Thor? Yeah, it's like dead people go there who die in combat 
to go to Valhalla. So Piper's not dead, though? She's just gone there somehow? Yeah, I mean, if you're magic, you could probably just go wherever you want. Sure. And this checks out, because she thought she was a superhero. Yeah. Slash god or something. So there happened to be one of them just out at the top of the building that she was climbing in the last episode. Yeah, it's very Thor. It's clearly a ripoff of Thor. And he was recruiting, and she was like, yeah, I would love to join the warrior of Valhalla. Yeah. So Piper's in Valhalla. Meanwhile, Phoebe just wakes up and feels bad. Yeah. She's like, what is And Paige is like, do you have a cold or something? She's like, no, I feel so much emotion. She's like really empathizing with anyone within like a certain radius, like a mile. That's got to be tough. Yes. It's like in that book, Wild Seed, that no one else has read but me. Sure. But then they find Piper this way. Yeah. They're like, okay, just keep walking until you feel like. Like a superhero. Yes. Like (laughs) super confident. And I mean, they have to walk a while because Valhalla is like in a different dimension. But they get there. They get there. Valhalla's not that far, actually. You just walk a little bit, you're there. But it's pretty funny because, I mean, obviously along the way, Phoebe's feeling all kinds of feelings for everyone. Yeah. And it's very funny. Mm -hmm. But they wonder if somehow, like, Piper came here to find Leo. Like, was she drawn here? Right. That's not really why she was just convinced by a pyramid scheming Thor copy. But they suspect. They're worried that Leo might be dead. But Phoebe senses that somebody feels like he's not a good boy. (laughs) She's like, I can just feel that someone feels they're not a good boy. Who's a bad boy? And she could tell it's Leo, and he's feeling guilty about something. Yeah, he's a dog, you know, and he's yeah. just there hiding under a, like a, uh, it's like a rock formation. He's hiding under like a rock foundation? Formation. There's Form- a hole. Okay, it's that's a, It's better. a cave. It's a little cave. It's a dog okay, A cave. little, it's a dog cave. Okay. Yeah, I can picture it. <laughs> they can picture it. Sorry, you're not creative. I'm not. He's in a standard cookie cutter home. <laughs> but Phoebe's got to learn, like, the empathy is, like, overwhelming. Like, she's getting too much, and it's, like, a lot for her. Like, she's, like, getting drowned out by all these other thoughts. Some of them good, some of them bad. So she's struggling with that. It's hard. Everyone's like, God, what's wrong with her? She must have been in a hell dimension. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah. But she, at the end of the episode, Leo suggests that, like, you could maybe turn it off a little bit. Like, you could, like, try to suppress some of the... Other thoughts. He's just like, wag your tail. It'll help. And she's like, I don't have a tail. And then he's like, just wag your little butt. And then she <laughs> does. And she's like, that does help. And Leo explains that he just came to this <laughs> Valhalla to mm-hmm. have a little him time to process the fact that he's an elder now. <laughs> he didn't want to <laughs> burden Phoebe with all of that. Wait, so you just left me because you needed some you time. I in changed your other memory, dimension. baby. I blocked and out the memories of me, so you wouldn't worry. You came here to hang out in this little rock formation? It's cozy, baby. Rough, it's rough. a cave, baby. It's a little cave. Woof, woof, bark, bark, baby. Wiggle that butt. And then he um he goes home with them because he's been found, but he's yeah. still going through his elder process. His elder process. Yeah. But Phoebe is able to suppress some of the empathy a little bit. Yes. Hold it at bay. By, by wiggling, wiggling her little her butt. butt. <laughs> And uh, Leo restores Piper's memories. They all go home, and that's it. Yeah. Phoebe's still dealing with empathy. Leo's back. Leo's back, but he's still becoming an elder. That's what we're dealing with in season six. It's getting crazy. Wait for the musical episode. (laughs) This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. I don't know about where you live, but here in New York, every day is starting to feel more and more like fall. 
Fall is, of course, the best time of year to watch Gilmore Girls, and what's a Gilmore marathon without a delicious cup of coffee? Stacy and I have recently discovered Bean Blossom Coffee, available from SignatureHomestyles.com. It's a well-balanced medium roast blend with a rich aroma and fruity notes made from 100% sustainably sourced Arabica beans. So far, we've enjoyed their Breakfast Bliss blend, their delicious sweet vanilla bean flavor, and of course, our favorite, and what we're drinking right now, buttery pecan. The perfect taste and aroma to wake up with on a chilly fall morning. Or in our case, afternoon. Right. But Signature Homestyles features much more than just coffee. They're America's online destination for home goods and decor, featuring candles, frames, lighting, wall decor, and more. They have these cute little gnomes with gourds for hats. I could totally see Laura like giving one to Bad Bad. Mm-hmm. Signature Home Styles is everything you need to get your home ready for a Gilmore season or to get a jump on your holiday shopping. Don't settle for second place home decor. Get the best at Signature Home Styles, transforming millions of homes in the USA for over 50 years. Browse their collection today by clicking the link on our episode descriptions or our social media bios. And I can't recommend enough the pecan coffee. I love pecans and I love coffee. And we love pecan coffee. Check it out. Then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell our friends about Fight Face. So this episode is about Rory starting her community service and also about Lorelai moving forward a little bit with her relationship with Luke. A little bit? A little bit. The episode opens with Lorelai and Suki admiring the Twickham house at night. They're just in the street staring at it like it's Lindsay and Dean's breakup. (laughs) They're just talking about how big it is and stuff. And Suki is like, so you're engaged. Is it going to stick? Because, girl, you tend to say one thing and then do another thing when it comes to marriage and men. And she does. She says, you've got priors. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's it's a fair question, I feel like, from your best friend, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, you've almost gotten married a couple times now. I was like, it is maybe a little rude, but I mean, she's been rude to Suki about stuff, so I think it's fair. I don't know if it's rude if it's your best friend. You know, yeah, yeah it's rude if it's like a casual acquaintance, but it's your best friend's like, who are we kidding? We can be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't like, I don't believe you. She's just like, are you gonna though? But Lorelai's like, yes, I'm doing this. Believe me, it's happening. Luke and Lorelai are still going strong. One morning, they have a really fun little playful fight about Revenge of the Sith. Luke is just like ranting about this movie. And oh my God, I wish I could hear his thoughts on the new Star Wars movies. <laughs> He's just going on and on about how like it doesn't make sense in the Revenge of the Sith that Obi-Wan Kenobi's got the high ground and that somehow makes it so he wins. Because he's like, they can, like, jump and, like, do telekinesis. Why does being below him matter? Now, I'm not going to go into this, okay? I'm I'm not. But I will say this, Luke, okay? Both of these characters have telekinesis abilities. So if there's a disadvantage when it comes to the height, yeah, one guy can, like, force jump, but so can the other guy. So he does still have an advantage. Doesn't matter. Whatever you say. He rants about it for a while, and then Lorelai, like, mocks him for ranting about these small, inconsistent details of the movie, only to have him flip the tables on her and be like, oh, yeah, what about Bewitched? And then she starts ranting about the remake of Bewitched, and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, same thing. It's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Then they kiss, and she leaves to start her day, and I don't, I'm sorry, everybody. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I love them together. I love them just being happy and just seeing their daily life. I'm sorry. I love it. They're great together. This is the best boyfriend she's had. Because it just seems like they have chemistry. They look happy together. Yeah. When she was with Jason, they told us they were happy, but I didn't feel or like see that they were happy. I was just told, hey, we're happy. I liked their chemistry. Like They bantered well together. But yeah, we didn't see much of their like day to day. Right. I totally agree with you about they had great banter together, for sure. 
But I meant like I just I just feel this like relationship love chemistry between Luke and her that yeah. I didn't see with her and Max. I didn't see with her and whoever that guy was she dated for one episode. Alex. Yeah, Alex. I didn't see it with Jason either. I see it here. TJ's there. He's at the diner. He is very proud of some shelves he put up for Luke. TJ's annoying now, guys. Like, I liked TJ when he first showed up on the show. He was like this dumb but, like, good-hearted man who was, like, trying to do everything for Liz. And, like, yeah, he's not the smartest dude ever, but, like, he's, like, a good guy. But they, like, changed him. Now he's, like, dumb and selfish and lazy and pushy. And I don't like it. He's annoying. He's like, they morphed him into a less nice Joey Tribbiani from Friends. Yeah, it's like they, they turned a couple knobs too far on his character recipe. Yeah. That's how you cook. You turn knobs. Sometimes I'll just be in the kitchen trying to make dinner. And you'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm turning knobs. I don't know why it's not happening. <laughs> like at the wedding, I feel like it was a good place where he was like dumb and was like annoying about the tights, but like was still like a super good guy who was trying to do right by Liz. Mm-hmm. And now that they've been together a lot, it's like, obviously he still loves Liz, but he's still like, I don't know, he doesn't treat her as well. I don't know. It's weird we don't see them together. It's like the actors were like, can we not be in scenes together? (laughs) When Luke isn't excited about the shelf work that TJ did, TJ says, I hate that you lost a little boy in you. And it's like a weird one-liner, but this becomes like a running bit throughout the episode. And I feel like it does become funny by like the third time you hear it. Yeah. The little boy and Luke loved shelves, I guess. Anyway, TJ's looking for work, and he's like, hey, can I advertise? Luke's like, yeah, whatever. He wants to go by AJ, so so he's he's higher in the yellow pages. That's not a terrible idea. And he's, like, stealing other people's business cards to write his info on, because he Yeah, it's just the stupidest, poorest shit you've ever heard. Yeah. He, again, mentions how hot both of their wives are. It's so weird the way he talks about Lorelai, and, like, Luke addresses it by being uncomfortable, but I, I would be like, you need to stop. Yeah. He talked about Liz, too, which also makes Luke uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, TJ isn't like a pig. He's just like, both of our wives are going to be hot. That's not that crazy. So Stars Hollow is like putting on an uh, animal adoption fair in the middle of the town. So Lorelai stumbles across it. And then she starts like touching all the animals, like the pigs. Which you just touched a pig recently. I did. It was very soft. And the mother (laughs) was very big. (laughs) Yes, she was. So Lorelai's like touching the pigs and the other animals. She's really enjoying herself. And then Miss Patty just like abruptly stops her and like turns to the fair lady and is like, do not let her adopt anything. She's got to be on a blacklist. She kills like every animal she comes in contact with. Apparently there was a hamster incident and a rabbit incident and a turtle incident where all these animals died. So I don't remember if the show addressed the turtle and the rabbit. Let us know if you remember this. But they did mention a hamster incident. So it was a nice callback for once for Gilmore Girls, remembering something they set up. Yeah, it was like early season one, Rory and Lorelai stumble upon a fair just like this in the park. And Rory's like, maybe you shouldn't get a pet because we had that hamster one time, Skippy the hamster. But it's just interesting that the show called back to that, even though in real time, that would have been like five years. Probably no one remembered that hamster bit before Netflix binging. It was like a throwaway joke from one episode. And it's funny that they remember it when Gilmore Girls doesn't remember like something they had a big plot point about a season ago. Yeah. But notably, Luke was walking through the park in that scene and like Mm -hmm. heard this hamster story. So it makes sense that he would know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that later because Luke is not in the park right now. But Miss Patty's all like, you can't, you're going to kill these things. What did you do to that pig? It doesn't look well. It looks dead now. Yeah. And Lorelai looks, she's like, it's sleeping. That's not weird. And then the staff is like, actually, that is very unusual. Can someone check on that pig? (laughs) And then Lorelai's like, I did not kill the pig. 
It's very funny. Very funny. And then Liz shows up, very excited to see her soon-to-be sister-in-law. They compare their rings. And this is all so funny. Liz talks about how her ring turned her finger green, which is like a thing that can happen when you have like a fake gold ring. Mm-hmm. But then she goes on to be like, yeah, and then black and blue. And now my doctor's talking about amputation. <laughs> so it's like, that sounds so much worse. She's got like therapy. She's, she's got go- finger therapy she's going to now. She loves TJ. It's so funny because, yeah, she's like, oh, my God. But it's from TJ, so I love it. <laughs> uh, and then at some point she's like gasped and she's like, oh, no, it's just my finger. <laughs> but Liz brings up Rory because she doesn't know that they're estranged. And she's all like, what's going on with Rory? Lorelai kind of like, you know. Says some stuff to get past it. Doesn't address what's really happening. But obviously this makes her upset. So she just like reflexively just adopts the dog. She's right next to Yeah. So she's got a dog now. You weirdly predicted that Lorelai would get a dog. Not really, but you kind of made a joke about when you were doing your predictions at the end of season five. You were like, yeah, maybe they'll be estranged. Maybe a dog will fix it. Did I say that? (laughs) Making a joke about how Emily and Richard had that dog that helped them out. Yeah, yeah. Is this dog going to fix it? I... I'm not confirming or denying that, but it is funny that Lorelai does get a dog. Yeah, I'm interested. Amy's got a dog agenda. Also in this episode, Rory has started her community service. We had a quick scene where she's like getting the like scared straight speech from the guy that's all like, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You got to be there in time. And then we see him handing out papers to various people that look trashy. (laughs) And then we see Rory. She doesn't stand out. I thought the joke was going to be she was going to look less trashy, but she kind of fits in. I don't know. Yeah. She's still living with Emily and Richards, obviously. They are discussing their schedules over breakfast. They're also discussing their gardener's MP3 device. They keep calling it an MP3 device. It's super funny. They're like, maybe we're paying him too much if he can afford an MP3 device. (laughs) They say it so many times. I wonder if they just, like, can't say iPod or Zoom. Well, I think it might have also just been that they don't know what those are. It's sure. just an MP3 device to these old people, you know? They also wouldn't know what an MP3 is. Yeah. Don't mind our ambulance, by the way. What? There was a really loud ambulance happening. I don't know if you could There hear. was. We're not going to re-record that. You guys are getting the full New York experience. Gunshots, ambulances. <laughs> we did get shot the other day. We'll save what? that for next time. Okay. I know what you're talking about. We're fine. No one shot. But I, <laughs> I was like, what happened? Did I die? We'll save that for when we tell you what it's like living in New York. So Emily and Richard are, like, having breakfast, discussing the schedules and the MP3 devices when Rory comes in. And Rory's kind of got nothing going on right now. She's just, like, super bored. But Emily and Richard have so much food on this table. Like, a crazy amount of pastries just, like, piled up in the middle and a ton of other food. And Emily and Richard have to go, and they're like, oh, finish this up. And Rory's like, I'll try. But it's, an abs- like, it doesn't make sense. It's so much. It's, like, more than Rory had in her pool house the other day. Like, what, the, the maids brought, the, what do they do at the end of the day with this stuff? Because it's all, like, fresh every time. That's what Emily says. I also don't think Emily would eat, like, a two-day-old pastry, quite honestly. I feel like you probably have to, if you're ordering from a bakery, get it in somewhat bulk. But I bet you could get, like, six. No, I've worked at a Panera Bread. You can order one if you want. Yeah. But, like, maybe they donate this. It's, like, it's so extravagant. It's so much food. Yeah, it's too much. I, I just don't, I, like... What? <laughs> so now a bored, unemployed, schoolless Rory just sort of like wanders around the house with nothing to do. She tries watching TV. She's bored. She's just walking around in like a swim, like a one piece swim trunks and like a dress. It is a weird style. Swimsuit, skirt. <laughs> just to correct those. Yes. Close yeah. words Brian tried to use. A swimsuit and a dress. Um, 
Women don't wear trunks. <laughs> it's very weird what she's wearing. No top. One piece trunks is just <laughs> trunks. <laughs> Did I say trunks? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's stupid. Well, it's not trunks. <laughs> I wear trunks. So she's wearing a dress over swim trunks? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I misspoke, guys. It's very early. She was wearing a one piece swimsuit and a dress. No. A skirt. <laughs> a skirt. A skirt. Did you say it's early? It is 2.42 When did we PM. get up, boo? When did we get up? Like a couple hours ago, but I feel like early has passed. That's the first time your alarm went off? Yes, we got up very early the first time your alarm went off. Okay, we don't need to bring up my alarm. We had one of those mornings where her alarm goes off about 34 times. It got you up. <laughs> one of us, yeah, it got me up. I wanted the bed to myself. I got it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rory strikes up a conversation with the maid in Spanish. They start getting along. She's, like, asking about her mother and stuff. And she just stands next to her and starts, like, helping her polish the silverware while they have this conversation. And it's nice. And it's kind of fun to watch Rory, like, practice her Spanish. I've totally been in this situation before. But then Emily walks in. And she doesn't like this at all. She just yells at the maid and, like, hates that Rory's wearing a swimsuit for some reason. Yeah, that wasn't really clear why. Yeah, and she's like, don't talk to the maid in Spanish. It, like, throws them off their axis. And definitely don't do any of the dishes ever. It's not, that's for poor people. That's not for rich people with privilege like us. She also says, what language was that? Like, yeah. you don't recognize Spanish? Yeah, also, doesn't Emily speak some other languages? I feel like she does. She, like, speaks I, Italian. She speaks Italian, yeah. So you think she'd be like, oh, that sounds similar to Italian. It's probably that's Spanish. That's true. Because I feel like maybe she hears a lot of languages because her maids are from everywhere. But, like, you'd think if she speaks Italian, she would recognize Spanish. Yeah, Spanish is also, like, not a language you don't hear. <laughs> also, the woman's name is Esperanza. Yeah. I feel like there's context clues for what language she could be speaking. Yeah. It's like, maybe Portuguese is the one that's similar enough. <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't matter. Also, um, Alexis Budel's first language is Spanish. Right. So that's kind of funny that she's, like, pretending she doesn't speak it very well. Yeah, she's got to, like, how do I speak it poorly? Um, well, she didn't speak poorly, just, you know, like someone who's not a native speaker. Yeah, she spoke it like she was trying to remember certain words. Yeah. Like, what she said, I could speak, probably, and I understood everything yeah. she said. Well, Emily hates all this, and it's this definitely gets the maid fired. Not that the maid was going to be working there for very long, just the way things are with Emily. But later, we get a scene where Emily introduces Rory to her new maid, who's from Romania, and cold as ice. She gives, her, <laughs> she gives Rory this look that, like, just, like, chills her to her soul. But specifically, I think she chose a maid from Romania so that Rory can't speak to her. Yeah. She's like, get me someone mean and definitely doesn't speak a language my granddaughter can speak. Yeah. And they're like, we got him. I imagine it's just like a conveyor belt of maids that get dropped off at Emily's house. Yeah. I also imagine that the maids just like after a year or so, just like maybe dye their hair and they're like, we're going back. I got a new name. Going <laughs> back to the Gilmore house. They pay a lot. And there's so many pastries left over. Yeah. They've summoned her to tell her she needs to get a job. And she's like, ah, I don't know. My community service is a full-time job in itself. If you break down her hours for community service, it's like 50 hours a month. That's what most people work in a week. Yeah, that's not a full-time job. Now, I think she maybe is trying to, like, power through the community service and maybe get it done sooner than six months. Yeah. But I don't know. That is a decent amount of time to have to do community service. If you do divide it up evenly over the course of six months, that's like 10 hours a week. That's totally doable. Yeah. You just Unless, have two days like, to work five hours. Community service is during normal work hours. Like maybe this trash thing is like midday and it'd be hard to like find a job. That that might be kind of applied by this because they're like going to help her find a job that's flexible around her prison yeah. schedule. Right. 
But this always bothers people that she's like, I can't work. I'm busy. But they assure her they'll find her a job with flexible hours. Well, later, Rory walks in on a DAR meeting where Emily's friends are discussing which forefathers they'd fuck. And they also maybe want to bang Rory. <laughs> they just keep talking about how beautiful and white she is. <laughs> She's made of porcelain. <laughs> yeah. And they've been drinking a lot. Emily says that she can get Rory a job working for the DAR. She just has to become a, an official member. And that's all very exciting and nice. But then she's like, have a drink and sit with us. And Rory's like, well, you know, we got to go to that thing. Emily's all like, what thing? And she's like, you know, the thing, the community service. So she cancels the meeting. Part of me's like, can Emily drive right now? I know. They make a point of saying how many drinks they've, I mean, they don't say how many drinks they've had. But they're saying like, we're a little crazy because of the drinks. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Emily never says that she's drunk, but the other girls are. It also seems crazy that Emily forgot that she's got to drive Rory. Yeah. Like, she set up all this this party. Everyone, like, just, if they haven't drank that much, they've just yeah. started their drinks. And now she's like, everyone go home. Yep. Like, suddenly. I feel like they could just hang out and she could go or call a car for Rory or something. Emily drives her to her community service. When they get there, she starts reading rules on how to survive in, like, prison. <laughs> you know, like, don't make eye contact, stuff like that. Including stuff like leave your fight face at home, which is, you know, that's important to remember. But she also gives her this, like, very fancy lunch, which is funny. It's like, that's going to stand out. But then she also gives her cigarettes to barter with. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And they're in a Jaguar, so the other prisoners aren't very excited to see Rory. No. Rory doesn't have, like, a good time cleaning up the side of the road. There's a girl who's, like, shoves her and isn't nice to her. But, like, I don't know. It's not that bad. You stole a yacht. Keep your fight face at home. If this is a list of prison things, like, home is prison. It's a weird tip. Luke comes by to pick up Lorelai for a date and finds her with a dog. He also mentions the turtle and the hamster deaths. Like you said, it's fun that he remembers the hamster because he did hear it. He also mentions the turtle. It's all very funny. She's so defensive about these things. Biker gang? Oh, God. They heard about Buffy. It's pretty funny. We find out that this dog is afraid of, like, everything and also very specific things like keywords. Yeah. Watches. Popcorn. <laughs> popcorn. That's the funny thing about popcorn, right? It, popcorn is something that would, like, the popping of popcorn, I could see why that would be scary for an animal. It's just, like a lot of loud noises. Not ours. It summons him. Yeah. He loves popcorn. But I think a normal animal would be freaked out. But, yeah, Kurt, is he's just always, like, in the hallway, like, what are we doing? We're making popcorn? I like this. <laughs> Luke has kind of a lot of reasons he doesn't like dogs. <laughs> he just starts, like, ranting and listing them all. And Lorelai just says, like, I think it's very sad that you've lost a little boy in you. <laughs> Which is also funny. But he's like, no, my little boy didn't like dogs either. He points out that dogs make you hairy and smelly. And we were talking about how that is true. Like, we are just furry people now. We have fur on us. And we don't have a dog. We have a cat. Yeah. But we just have fur on all of us all the time now. Everything. We're fur people. Yeah. Not furries. No. We gave that lifestyle up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we do have a giant bunny costume, but... Yeah, that we used to have sex in. But that's because our, <laughs> we're into bunnies, okay? It's different. Lorelai says something interesting after Luke says he hates the dog, though. She says that, like, Luke always claims he hates something at first, but that doesn't mean he actually hates it. That's just his starting point for a negotiation they're about to have. And then she shares her points of view, and then they slowly start to come to a consensus and things they agree with, and they come to a happy middle. And I was like, that's actually maybe kind of true. I feel like Luke hates everything, but maybe he doesn't. That is his, like, negotiation starting point about whether he's going to pay attention to something or do something. Sure. Like, he hated Lorelai at first <laughs> when she was annoying, and then he came to fall in love with her. She's gradually changing the dog's name to Paul Anka. Yeah, she's like, his name is, like, Kookie, 
Coco. Yeah, his name is Coco, and then she starts like changing it, but it's like the changes are nothing like Paula Anka. <laughs> Yeah, about as long as Rory's community services is how long it is. Yeah, yeah, no, no joke. So Luke and Lorna go outside, you know, so the dog can eat in solitude because <laughs> it's afraid to eat around people. I also love she says when she drinks, he doesn't like it. And she has to like yeah. rock him like a baby. <laughs> yeah, she keeps saying like, don't drink in front of him. It's so funny that she's discovered all this. She's had him for like eight hours. Yeah. They go outside and they sit on a couch being cute couple because I love them together. And Luke brings up selling Lorelai's house so they can move into the Twickham house. And Lorelai's like, oh, maybe we don't want to do that. We could, like, rent it out. He's like, oh, okay, I guess maybe. Like, for what? But not to people. Yeah, to people. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, for people that could use it to, like, paint or, like, record albums. She specifically says they could rent it out to Corn, which is another fun callback. Yeah. Because they're calling back to when Trix rented out her place to Corn. But they lived there. Corn's just going to record yeah. Lorelai's house. But I thought that was, like, fun. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this episode, the writers are awake, <laughs> remembering previous stuff. I don't know. I could see that one just being a corn reference. Because they happen, corn's on their list of things they know about? Mm-hmm. Mm. It works either way. Yeah. But she seems, like, reluctant to sell it. The next day, Lorelai comes home to find several strange but nice men on her roof. The dog gets scared when they sees the men, and, like, somehow it runs back into the car and somehow shuts the door and locks it behind. Why did she leave the car door open? Well, I think she gets out, he comes out, and then she sees the men and is sort of like, wait, what? And, like is pulled away from the door by just, like, why yeah. is there strange men? She does walk away from the car a bit, though. Like, she had no intention of shutting the door. I think that's maybe kind of a mistake. They're yeah, trying maybe. to show us she's distracted, but it seemed like she was just going to walk into the house before she noticed the men on the roof. Now, Lorelai does stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, she's weird about her car. This is super funny, though. This dude just is on the roof and another man comes out. And he's like, hey, I'm George. She's like, fight or flight, fight or flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then Luke comes out and tells Lorelai that these men are here and he's here to help enlarge some of the rooms of the house so that they can both live there together. He could tell she didn't want to leave. So he's fixing the house for both of them. Can make the bedroom bigger. Sometimes Luke is crazy, but sometimes Luke is awesome. This is an awesome time. It's nice. I mean, the Twickham house is too big. I would live in the Twickham house. I'll live there, no problem. But I don't see why their house isn't big enough. I mean, I guess if they're going to have a million kids, there's only two bedrooms. That's true. Rory probably won't need hers. Even if they reconcile, she's not going to like live there forever. But that's still only like one bedroom. I do feel like there's got to be more rooms in this house. Like, is the upstairs literally just Lorelai's room? Because her room's not that big. This is something people also always talk about. There's like nothing upstairs except her room. Yeah. And like, is her bathroom enormous? Like, there's got to be more room up there. I'm just looking at the house. Yeah. It seems like they could add another bedroom upstairs probably somehow. For sure. There's people that have, like, tried to draw the floor plan. I think there's, like, a long hallway. Like, you get to the top of the steps, and then you take a hallway, and there might be, like, a weird little side room that's kind of nothing. But, it, yeah, it seems like there should be more up there. Yeah. Because the downstairs isn't small. No, the downstairs is big. And, like, if you imagine that it's similar upstairs, there's a lot of room that's not being used. Like, Lorelai's room looks no bigger than Rory's room. Anyway. That's funny at the end of the scene. She's like, come down here so I can kiss you, all of you. <laughs> And then the dog has locked the door of the car. Yeah, she's like, I'm not mad. I have the keys. I just, I want to know how you did it. I love the dog. What's funny is that they're portraying this dog as like scared of everything and like a weirdo. But what's funny is that it's an actor dog who's probably like great. Like, it's like sit there and he's like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll sit here. Yep. <laughs> he's very chill, like Emily and Richard's yeah. dog. Later at the diner, Liz begs Luke to let TJ work on Lorelai's house. He needs a job, and he almost passed his contractor test, you know, if he could just stop swearing. He keeps not getting jobs because he curses so much. Because he gets excited, and he curses when he gets excited. 
So Luke is like, no, no, no. But then sometime off screen, she like starts bawling until he finally says okay. And then TJ just goes to work on the house with that okay. Again, Liz is like, what happened to the little boy in you? <laughs> yeah. But maybe it wasn't a great idea because later again, Luke is at the diner taking an order and Lorelai just walks in and silently drags him, like just grabs him and pulls him away from the, the table and silently drags him to the house and then points at the giant hole in her bedroom and says, hole, hole. Giant hole. <laughs> Looks like speaking sentences. And then Luke puts together that it was TJ. And he kind of starts doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he's like, Kill. He's just like him, TJ. <laughs> then they have like a pretty funny argument about the best way to sneakily kill TJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about taking him to a baseball game. She's like, you shouldn't go to the baseball game. He's like, yeah, but then I still get to go to the game after I kill him. <laughs> yeah. They like end with listing things they need to fix it. Tarp, plywood, staple gun, rope. Laura's like, no, no rope. <laughs> We're not going to kill TJ. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. It was really cute. Yeah. That night, Rory stops by the diner. It's kind of awkward, but Luke is happy to see her. It's He's clearly like, things are weird between us, but like, obviously, we love each other. We're not the one that fought, but obviously, it's still weird. He pours her some coffee. He's being very nice. She's all like, you know, how are people, aka her mom, and Luke's like, they're good. And then he just sort of says, like, uh, we're engaged. Holding back tears, Rory congratulates Luke and leaves. It was nice because he had like said it was closed. Yeah. And then when he saw it was her, he's like, oh, sorry, we're not, we're not closed. Right. He says the engaged thing, and I and it's weird. I, I, there's so much to unpack here because she's upset about the engagement, which is understandable. I'm torn because I, I feel like I don't understand how Rory doesn't understand how angry her mom is because she just, like, defied her mom decided to live with her grandparents and has not tried to communicate with her mom again. Yeah. Like, has she tried calling her mom? Like, I understand that Lorelai is not calling her daughter, but Rory, you're also not calling your mom. We didn't have a scene where you call and get a voicemail. Mm-hmm. So, like, the engagement, it's like, well, you're not talking to your mom. I do think Luke shouldn't have told her. It, it seems like there could have been a bit more small talk that took place to avoid having to tell. I am torn on this because I hear what you're saying, and part of me agrees with you. But another part of me is like, Babette's going to bring it up to Rory. Yeah. So maybe he's like, someone should tell her before. And then Rory's going to be like, why didn't you tell me? You kept that from me? To Luke. And it's going to be Luke. And Luke is like, well, yeah, I mean, I kept it from you because I, you know, like it's, he's in a weird position. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she finds out from Babette, she's going to be mad at Luke. For exactly. So it's this weird position. And she's asking about her mother. And it's like, well, you should know the big thing in your mother's life right now. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying. I initially also felt like, Luke, why would you say that? But also I can see why he would. Because it's like, you're going to find out tomorrow when Miss Patty asks you about something. He also could have been like. Eh, maybe you should try talking to your mom. You know, I, I hate to see you guys fighting. Yeah. But he might also feel like Lorelai wouldn't want him to say that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm t- I, I, I legit think he's in a weird position. Oh, yeah, he's not in a good spot. There's kind of not a right and wrong way to do it. Because if he tells her, he's sort of betraying Lorelai. If he doesn't tell her, he's sort of betraying Rory. So it's, it's weird. Which he goes on to point out that he's in a weird spot. Yeah, he does. And the next day. So the next day at 7 a.m., before the sun has even warmed anything. <laughs> Luke and TJ, that's the line from the show. Luke and TJ and the crew are working on the house. Lorelai loves this. You know how she loves waking up to hammering. But she comes out and she like nicely asks Luke if they could start a little later tomorrow, if they're going to still do this. And then he sort of kind of flips out on her. It's clear he's upset about other things. Like he starts yelling about like, you got a frisbee up here. It's like crazy. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. That's not my frisbee. And he's like, it's dumb. You shouldn't have it up here. This is like a mistake. How can you, like, let your roof get like this? It's like, Luke, can you just stop misplacing your anger and tell her why you're upset? Enough of the Frisbee bullshit. 
So he does. He just tells her, like, I told Rory about the engagement. She's like, why would you do that? And it's like, well, she came in making that Rory face. I was helpless. And I'm apparently any woman can get Luke to do whatever they want by just making a certain type of face. Either cry or do a Rory face and him will spill the beans, hire your husband, whatever you need. Being a woman's great. (laughs) No downsides to being a woman. (laughs) Finally, it comes out that he's upset that things are so awkward between them and Rory, specifically that he feels stuck in the middle, which I hadn't really thought about until this scene and then rewatching the previous scene with him and Rory. It's like, yeah, he's betraying Lorelai or he's betraying Rory. What does he do? Because let's be honest, Rory is his daughter. It's not really, but like it's his like surrogate daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's like a daughter, it's not quite his daughter, it's like a daughter friend, but it's like a relationship that's important to him that is not working because of what's happening between Lorelai and Rory. And so it is awkward for him, especially since he's like marrying Lorelai. So like he's got this weird Max Medina situation where he's not sure what his role is right now. I don't know that I agree with the way that Luke, like, is yelling at her, especially in front of other people. Like, he's just yelling down from the roof at her. But, like, I don't, I, I kind of do see his point, and the writers do, too, because Lorelai admits that he is stuck in the middle, and it's not fair. He also has a funny line where he's like, I'm right, because I've got the high ground. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny. I was like, nice callback. Good setup for that. And he says, like, she would have seen it in the paper eventually, and has this whole, like, rant about stupid engagement announcements. Yeah. This is apparently the talk they needed. And then he's all like, all right, I won't bring this up again. I'm sorry. We're good. And then they, it, so it was like a, maybe this is just like something she needed to hear. I don't know. Cause then they, they're not fighting at the end of the scene. And he's also like, I got in early today. So this could be done. There'll be, this will be fixed by tomorrow. Yeah. Lorelai's point is like, Rory can't just like play on their emotions like this. She says she has to undo what she's yeah. done, which again is like, Lorelai is only happy if Rory moves out of her grandparents' house and goes back to school. Right. Which is like something they need to talk about because Rory doesn't want to do that. Yeah, and it's tough. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, undo what you did, but like. It has to be what I want. Yeah. It's sweet, though, because at the end, Lorelai is like, wants to make sure they're good. She's like, Luke. And he's like, we're okay. He's like, I'm cranky, but don't worry. We're, we're not fighting. Yeah. That was sweet. Also, this whole time, TJ is drilling very badly. Dude, TJ is so goddamn dumb. Like, he is, like, trying to drill, and he's like, there's something wrong with this uh, drill. And, like, the voice I'm doing is not an exaggeration. (laughs) That's just TJ's voice. Like, there's something wrong with this drill. It goes lefty, it needs to go righty. And, yeah, he explains. He's like, yeah, it's lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. And then TJ's like, I gotta remember that. Like, how did you make any shelves? There is a pretty funny bit, though, where he's, like, upset about the semantics of the word okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Luke told Liz okay, which TJ took to mean go ahead. Which, yeah. But Luke meant, like, I'll say okay for now and we'll figure out a way to tell him no in a couple weeks. Yeah. He's all like, but I'm a self-starter. Okay means go for it. <laughs> so this whole time he's, like, checking to make sure the word okay means go ahead. Yeah. And there's also a funny moment where he's talking to Lorelai. Like, he's trying to get her to not be mad at him. Yeah. Luke's just like, get away from her. He's like, we're just talking. Yeah. But TJ would definitely have sex with Laura. <laughs> if all parties were okay with it, I agree. Yeah. So maybe Lorelai's going to talk to her daughter. We'll see. Rory gets into some trouble doing her community service. She gets into a fight with that girl who just is like kind of bullying her. They get into a big push fight, and then she has to have a talk with like that officer guy who's like, you got to leave your fight face at home. Apparently Emily was right about that. Where is this? He like sits her down in like a room and talks to her. Like and an then interrogation she goes back center. Out. Yeah. It's the same clothes. Do so they just have like a portable interrogation? Do they drive her back somewhere? Yeah, it was weird. This felt like weird editing. Yeah, it's I just, agree. This is all very quick. She's like in the fight. She's getting yelled at. And then it's the same day. Yeah. I feel like they didn't need to sit her down. It felt like they shot some things and like 
had to use the, the sit down, but they mm-hmm. should have just had someone yelling at her on the side of the road. Yeah. Like on the bus or something. Because then it cuts back to her same outfit doing yep. more community service. While we cut back to her, Lorelai is driving by and she sees Rory working on the road and then stops the car to just confront her. This seemed a little insane. She just like walks over and just starts yelling at her. Yeah, Lorelai felt way more in the wrong here. Yeah, totally. It's also like she's at her like lowest moment right now, Lorelai. She's like embarrassingly picking up garbage. And Lorelai's like belittling her for living a life of luxury. Yeah. She comes over and is yelling at her for like living with the grandparents. Rory's mad that Lorelai didn't tell her about the engagement. She says like, congratulations, you know, you didn't tell me that really hurt me. And then Lorelai walking away says, right back at you. So the girls are still fighting. Uh, Nothing got resolved. No. It ended on a sad note. But then Lorelai can't get into her car because the dogs locked the door. That's not true. <laughs> the dog's driving the car? <laughs> yeah. Not afraid to leave, bitch. It's like, whoa, watch your mouth. I guess you can say it, dog. Dogs can say bitch. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's their word. All right. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? I do. I really enjoyed all the Luke and Lorelai scenes. Me I thought too. they were all well-written and beautiful. Yep. Like, I know you mentioned his crankiness on the roof was a lot, but I, I thought that fight was, like, very well crafted. Yeah. And the whole bit with the guy, the random guys showing up on the roof, that mm. was all very funny. Like, they kind of make a joke about it being a bad version of, like, who's on first, but it kind of was, but it was yeah. super funny. This is a very funny episode. I feel like there's a lot of jokes that made me laugh out loud. I kind of didn't love the Rory storyline. Agreed. Like, they kind of just had all this footage of her doing community service sprinkled throughout the episode. Like, really, that didn't take up much time, but, like, none of those scenes were particularly interesting or funny to me. Yeah, but I feel like she was in the episode for, like, five minutes, really. Yeah. So much of this episode was just Luke and Lorelai talking, and all of that was beautiful. Agreed. And funny. And we needed to see what Rory was up to, but yeah. those parts weren't particularly entertaining, but obviously we went somewhere with that. So, yeah, I, I loved all the Luke and Lorelai stuff. It was kind of different. It felt like... Most of it was like a little play between them, mm-hmm. kind of intercut with this Rory stuff. TJ was annoying, but not so much that it like ruined the show for me. No, it was just a, a beautiful Luke and Lorelai relationship slice of life episode. Yeah. And honestly, every like almost every other line at the animal adoption thing was super funny. I was like laughing at all. Those uh-huh. Liz was a bit much like her begging for TJ. Yeah. Also, the ring stuff was funny, but she's like always so giddy with Lorelai. Yeah. I don't hate that. I feel like that no. fits her character. But she's always like asking Luke for stuff. She is, yeah. She mooches a lot from Luke, but I feel like she is also a po- very positive person. So I feel like it balances as far as like mm. I don't hate the character. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, everything with Luke and Lorelai was gorgeous. So I think that makes this episode like I, I recommend. It's a good one to watch. And I like the, the roof fight because it was like, I don't know, it's almost like she needed to hear some of this stuff from him. And I thought it was a fun way to stage a fight. Yeah. Like, there are all these guys around doing construction, but it's kind of, like, a more interesting way to have them have a fight. That yeah. They're, like, literally yelling, but they're not, like, mad. Yeah. But, I don't know, just, like, a different staging. It's interesting. And the high ground callback was great. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I think this is a good one. This is a fun, funny episode. So, which episode do you think was better, Brian? I think Gilmore Girls was better. I think it was pretty clear to me. I think so, too. Buffy wasn't bad. No. And last week we went Buffy. The first half of Buffy, I think, was stronger. No, this is just a really, like, a great episode of Gilmore Girls. Very funny, very sweet, and Buffy did not hit all the same notes. Buffy had some good moments, but this is just a solid Gilmore. Like I said, the first half of Buffy had more interesting stuff than the second half of this two-parter did. So I think it just kind of suffered from treading water, and yeah, Yeah. this, this Gilmore Girls was very entertaining. 
Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 3, The Ungraduate. As well as Bob the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 3, Afterlife. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you like the biker gang? Did you find them fun? What are these bikers going to do now that they've destroyed Sunnydale? What's their plan for living here? What problems did you have with the Star Wars movies? Should Luke have told Rory that they were engaged? What episode of Doug Loves Movies were we in? That's the biggest question we need answered at this time. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show, Angel hosts monthly live-streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. Don't mind our barking dog. Don't drink next to the dogs. <laughs> and shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Zara Dillon, Ashley Van Horn, and Una. Thank you. Dogs just, we're almost done. Just chill. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Honey, it's just, like, really sad that you lost a little girl in you. No, I'm full of little girls. There's a lot of them in there. They all trying to get out. They it's fucking terrifying. What? Have thoughts and opinions. Several of them do not like you. And I'm like, Shh. what? <laughs> it's a lot. Have I not talked about this? No, babe. I guess we gotta talk. Some of us. Yeah, a lot of them don't want to talk to you. They shushing me like I'm Tara. Shh.